0: Last season, Hubert Davis rode the Iron Five all the way to the National Championship game in New Orleans, but there is a lot more depth and a lot more experience this season in Chapel Hill. How is he going to deploy all that talent? We're going to find out. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there. It's Friday, September 16th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Got to remember, this is the only daily North Carolina show out there and we're so glad that you're tuned in. In fact, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, this depth question for North Carolina last year, as we well know, Carolina relied very heavily on the Iron Five. It all kind of took shape in the game at Cameron Indoor Stadium to end the regular season. It was those, the starting five RJ Davis, Caleb Love, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, and Brady Manick. They played the entire second half, nobody came out, and that moniker of the Iron Five was born. But now, depth becomes one of the big off-season questions about the 2022-23 Tar Heels, Um, and the question is basically this. Was last year's heavy reliance on the Iron Five, you know, plus some sprinkling in of Dontrez and Puff Johnson, Uh, Here and there an indication of Hubert Davis's preferred rotation preferred playing style or was it just simply based on where the personnel was last year and who he could trust or not trust in games the problem for us as you might know in trying to answer that question is that it was Hubert Davis's first year as a head coach at the varsity level. Obviously we know he coached 7 years as a JV coach and um, but at the varsity level this is the only sample we have to go on is what happened in the 21-22 season. And so we we just don't know. This is only year 2 for coach Davis. Last year personnel, last year's personnel usage. Also, keep in mind was magnified, becoming because you're coming right off of Coach Roy Williams, who was a, a depth junkie, right, going into his bench seemingly at will, including bringing in a fresh five of, of walk-ons at times to spice things up. Um, A a Leonard Hamilton clone, Hubert Davis, is not going deep into the bench as Florida State's head coach does. And so that then magnifies Hubert Davis's lack of use of the bench last season. So bottom lining this thing, we wonder, was last year's Iron 5 heavy usage a one-year blip or a changing of how North Carolina as a program uses its depth well that's the question we want to try to answer today and part of what helps us do that is a recent interview that hubert davis had with cbs's john rothstein but who also has his own podcast uh college hoops today it's a podcast it's a website he writes all of that stuff well great news in that interview from earlier this week hubert davis and john rothstein discussed this very issue and if i can be frank with us hubert davis answered quite definitively what he plans to do this season. He said this, and I quote, we have depth. I know last year, especially down the stretch, we had a rotation of five or six. That won't be the case this year. We've got guys coming off the bench that can play at the level we need them to catch that coming off the bench that can play at the level that we need them to, and to be able to contribute right away. So, I hear that loud and clear. It sounds like this is not only coach Davis's plan to have a deeper bench, but it sounds like a given to him based on what we have now and how much he can trust what's coming off the bench beyond um, the starters that, that it's a whole different question. So coming into last season, you might remember, Hey, this is Hubert Davis's first go round. What is this starting five going to look up look like? Because it's a lot of the same faces as had been coach, um, Williams last year, aside from um, the the incoming freshmen and the transfers, but there's this one like, will it be RJ and Caleb together? Will Kerwin Walton continue to start? All, all of those kinds of questions. Uh, it's going to be Baycott. It'll probably be Leaky. Will it be Dawson Garcia? Will it be Brady Manick? We don't know. All of those kind of questions we don't have those same types of questions this year. Uh, There are not those question marks about the makeup of the starting lineup because it's not a brand new coach. We kind of know now what Huber Davis is wanting to do. Not that same wonderment this season. In fact, it seems quite obvious. The four returning starters, RJ Davis, Caleb Love, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott, plus Pete Nance. Um, Now, the starting, the fifth starter might have been a different Consideration if there's no Pete Nance in the question, it's probably Puff Johnson, but we don't have to think about that because there is a Pete Nance. And so it's a moot point. So the question then is not so much the starting lineup, but who comes in after them and how much time those contributors will get. Um, As I often like to say, if if you're a regular listener or watcher of the podcast, you hear me say this with a, a good deal of regularity there were only 200 minutes available to a basketball team in in a college basketball game. So even if it seems like someone deserves 10 minutes a game, for example, it might just not be in the budget, in the minutes budget, to give a certain player 10 minutes a game, because there are better players who um, demand and command more of that time. So after the starting five, again, Davis, Love, Black, Baycott, and Nance, You expect, based on last year, that Puff Johnson and Dontre Styles will be significant contributors to this team, based on both last year's minutes and based on what I just said from Coach Davis. So I expect those guys to be six and seven. Beyond them, I'm expecting a healthy dose of freshman Seth Trimble. And given the news we talked about on yesterday's show of Jalen Washington's full release to basketball activities at the end of September, I expect both Trimble and Washington to be um, heavy contributors as eight and nine in, in some form or fashion with um, Johnson and Styles as well. So that does get you up to nine. That, that starting five plus. Johnson, Styles, Trimble, and Washington. Now, beyond those nine is where, for me, it starts to get really murky. You've got two returners, uh, two other scholarship returners in DeMarco Dunn, who, based on some things we're hearing and seeing this offseason, seems to be in line for more playing time. But again, are the minutes budgeted that can be there? And then Justin McCoy is the other. The other two scholarship players are Will Shaver, who's been with the program as an early enrollee since January, and then Tyler Nickel is the other freshman coming in. So that's all 13 scholarship players. Well, let's have Coach Davis give us a little more insight on this. He says, quote, the freshman Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington and Tyler Nickel, all three of those guys are hungry. And they're determined and they're very talented and i'm excited to put them out there on the floor to see what they can do demarco dunn is a guy that can really shoot the basketball a guy that can really shoot the basketball he says excellent defensively an interesting point there about dunn and then he says and justin mccoy so i'm reading between the lines a little bit here we have those five guys mentioned trimble washington nickel dunn a guy who can really shoot the basketball and is excellent defensively, and Justin McCoy. So reading between the lines, Will Shaver is left out of that conversation. Is that because he's not considering him a freshman? He named the other three freshmen. Um, is it just because he's not considering Shaver a freshman because he's been there longer? Or is it because he's not going to be in the rotation with any regularity? And I think it might be some of both, but ultimately the it's more about the rotation. I do not see uh, Shaver factoring into the rotation, at least this year. He's just not ready from all the reports we're getting. So that leaves 12. And there's just frankly, again, in that budget of 200 minutes, there's just not enough to give 12 guys time, especially given the returning core and how good they are. So here's my estimation, is that for this season, 2022-23, Tyler Nickel, DeMarco Dunn, and Justin McCoy are going to be the three low end of the minutes, again, this season, bringing you to that nine. Those guys are certainly going to get time, particularly as situations arise and game flow calls for it, but I don't see that time being consistent this season. Some of it's going to be positionally based on where I see guys getting minutes. For example, part of why I think Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington are going to get a lot of time is because Trimble I believe will be the primary backup to Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in the backcourt and Washington, the primary backup to Baycott and Nance in the frontcourt. But there's a logjam kind of at the three or the small ball four led behind Leaky Black by Puff Johnson and Dontrez Styles. and that kind of relegates Justin McCoy. I know sometimes he plays a small ball five or or four, but um, relegating both McCoy and Nickel to a a lesser role. And so I really think it's those starting five and then the next four, Johnson, Styles, Washington, and Trimble. I think those are the nine that are going to form the core with spot minutes from the other guys. Let's bottom line it this way and give Coach Davis the last word with one more quote from that interview with Rothstein. Quote, I just really think depth is going to be important for us this year, having guys that come off the bench that gives us consistent, great play. I think it makes it even better for RJ and Caleb and Leakey and Pete Nance and Armando, so he's naming the starters, catch that, to be the best that they can be. And I think it's going to make us better defensively, a situation where we can change defenses, we can pick up full court. We can get more aggressive to create turnovers when we have more depth, something the Tar Heels have not done well. Lately, by the way, it's always a Carolina staple of our transition game, wanting to be the fastest team in the country, transitioning from defense to offense. I think depth plays a part in all those things being the best that you can be. So bottom line, Coach Davis does not want to be another Iron Five type team. He wants this depth. He thinks it's going to be beneficial to the team. We're going to have to wait and see what actually happens when the first game kicks off on November 7th. Now the men's basketball ACC schedule came out earlier in the week on Tuesday, but it wasn't the only one. The women's basketball schedule came out on Wednesday. I want to their, their ACC schedule. I want to unpack that for you after I tell you about Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, the UNC women's team's basketball ACC schedule was released on Wednesday morning. Remember, the guys play a 20-game conference schedule. The women play an 18-game conference slate, giving them a full 29. So same 11 non-conference games plus 18 conference games gives you 29 in the regular season. And this is coming off of last season's great Sweet 16 run. Coach Courtney Banghart has this team moving and growing and coming up. So for those of you watching, I'm going to put up the graphic of the ACC schedule for the UNC team as I read it off. But here we go. Check it out. Starting on December 29th. No no uh, differential dates as we had with the guys team. We know what the dates are and I'm giving them to you right now. December 29th, a Thursday versus FCU. So that's FSU, FSU, Florida State, uh, that kicks off the ACC slate. And then on New Year's Day, January 1st, a Sunday at Virginia Tech. Then January 5th, Thursday at Miami. Then January 8th, a Sunday versus Notre Dame. So they host the Irish there. Next game, a Thursday, January 12th at UVA. Next game, Sunday, January 15th versus NC State hosting the Wolfpack there. Then another Thursday, January 19th versus Duke. So you've got the Wolfpack and Blue Devils back to back. Then going to another Sunday, January 22nd versus Georgia Tech. Thursday, January 26th at Pitt. Sunday, January 29th at Clemson. Thursday, February 2nd versus Virginia. Sunday, February 5th at Louisville. Thursday, February 9th at syracuse (laughs) that was weird at syracuse (laughs) sunday february 12th versus boston college thursday february 16th at nc state so there's the return game sunday february 19th versus wake thursday february 23rd versus virginia tech and the final game of the acc regular season sunday february 26th at duke so the men finish hosting duke the women finish going to Not to Cameron, but over to Durham, and so I, I, as I look at this schedule, if if you heard, you heard a very specific pattern going on there. In we we talked uh, yesterday about the guys' schedule and how they had a little bit of a, a Tuesday Saturday pattern, but the ladies' schedule lines out so consistently. They have 18 games. Again, it starts on December 29th, a Thursday, and it's just nine straight weeks of Thursday Sunday. Literally, it never deviates from that Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, nine times in a row, there's your 18 games finishing on Sunday, February 26th at Duke. So you can literally set your calendar nine straight weeks of Thursday, Sunday games. For the Carolina women's team. I'm really curious to hear from coach Banghart. If, um, I mean, that's almost like football, you know, you're playing every Saturday, right? I'm curious to hear from the coaching staff, how they feel about that. Do they like that rhythm or, um, you know, of just having the consistency of, you know, what game week is like weekend and week out. And I looked back and As far back as at least the 18-game schedule goes, and I went back another five or six years before that, there was never... There's a lot of Thursday-Sunday consistency, obviously, in the women's schedule, but never literally every Thursday-Sunday. That's a brand new thing. So this is the fourth season, at least fourth intended season of an 18-game conference schedule for the women. And the reason I say that is because COVID. So um, going back four seasons ago... Um, was when this 18 game schedule started with the 1920 season and then 2021 didn't get to 18 because of covid last year 18 game conference schedule and then this year the fourth season in a row of at least intended 18 game conference schedule now as we look at it and the tougher matchups um, at least um, i just went based on espn's uh, way too early top 25 which was last updated this summer um there are, excuse me, one, two, three, four, five total ACC teams ranked in the top 10 to 15 range. Um, And so Louisville, NC State, Notre Dame are all kind of projected top 10 teams. Virginia Tech is a top 10 to 15-ish team. And then the fifth team of that group is the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels are projected to be a top 15 team this season. And so you love To see that. So, in terms of obviously, there's lots of tough games, any away game is tough, but just looking at when does Carolina play those four top 15 ish teams throughout the conference season? So, they play those four other teams. Again, that's Louisville, NC State, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech. Those four teams a total of six times a home and home with Virginia Tech, a home and home with NC State, obviously. Notre Dame at home only and Louisville on the road only. So those are kind of your six games against what project currently to be the other top teams in the conference. Now here's the nice thing is you look at how that schedule breaks down against those other four teams. None of those games are back to back. There's at least one game between all of the games against those top 15 schools. So that's really encouraging to see you get um, a a little bit of space, a little bit of breather between those. However, they are bunched up somewhat close together. Three of those six games are within the first six games of the conference schedule. And then the final three of those six games are in the final seven games of the conference schedule. So you've got these, um, what project to be the toughest six games on the bookends of the schedule there. And so we'll have to see how all of that plays out. So none are back to back, but You do have three of the first six and three of the final seven against what project to be the four most difficult other teams in the conference. But do not forget, friends, that the Tar Heels are right there in the mix of that. Courtney Banghart is continuing to grow this team. They return a great core, get some good incoming talent, really good incoming talent. And so going to be a lot of fun to watch the Lady Tar Heels this Season. Well, football is not the only game action going on so far this fall. I want to catch you up on what's going on with other teams around campus. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a Tar Heel tour right after I remind you about our drive for five. We are talking about this basketball schedule. We are just under two months away from the first Carolina basketball games of the season. And what we're doing is setting a goal of this drive for five to reach 5,000 YouTube subscribers by the time we get to tip off of that first game. People have been really starting to to check in and tune in and be part of this community more and more and more. And so I wanna invite you to do so. If you are listening and you have not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, even if you normally listen, would love it if you would go and subscribe. That would mean so much. If you're watching and you haven't subscribed, please do it right now. So easy. Just hit that little red subscribe button down there at the bottom. And would you share it with other Tar Heels in your life whom you know might love to be part of this community? Thank you so much for helping us spread the word. All right, friends, let's just go on a little bit of a Tar Heel tour. Let's stroll about campus and see how things are going for the fall schools or the fall teams. Now, there are teams that participate in some fall activities, but it's not they're not in season. So for example, baseball has some fall games. We're not gonna talk about them because they're a spring team. Uh, Same with golf and tennis. They play some events and some things in the fall, but they are spring sports. So we'll save them for that. So um, outside of football, obviously we know what's going on with them. And usually we'd be talking about them right now on Friday show, previewing their game, but this is the off week before we get to Notre Dame next week, we'll get all that stuff ready for you. So there are several different teams we want to talk about, and we're going to start with field hockey. Now I know that seems maybe odd and weird and different, but why they're just like I know traditionally in North Carolina, it's the women's soccer team that is the jam and, and they are again this year, but it's that women's field hockey team that in recent years has really been doing it. And so we wanna start there. So let me just give you a little bit of where they are at. The, the field hockey team is six and O in um, in their record, they haven't had any conference games yet, so just sitting at those six games. They are number two in the nation behind only Northwestern. Their wins are over Michigan, Iowa, Princeton, Penn, Cal, and Stanford. Love to see that. And they have a game today, Friday, September 16th at Louisville. And so love to see them go and get that seventh W of the season. Let's do go to the soccer teams. We'll start with the women just because of that proud tradition and because they're awesome again this year. They are seven and one on the season. No ACC matches yet. And they are uh, no ACC matches yet. And they are just like the the field hockey team ranked second in the nation. So those seven wins over Tennessee, UNC Wilmington, Texas, Baylor beaten up on the Big 12, uh, Mizzou beating up on the old Big 12, Duke and UCF. Love to see those. Their loss was to UCLA, just two to one. Um, but North Carolina's number two in the nation. UCLA is number one in the nation. And so while you, obvi- while you obviously would love to win that game, you can live with a close loss there. Their next match is on Saturday, tomorrow at Dorrance Field versus Virginia. So that's going to be uh, that first ACC matchup of the season. Go take care of the Cavs, Lady Soccer team. Love that. Let's stay with soccer and talk about the men. They are off to a 3-2 and start, have played an ACC match, and they lost it, unfortunately. Um, The Tar Heels are not ranked in the top 25, but they are 27th. They're second in that Others Receiving Votes category. Their three wins are over Air Force, Southern Florida, and ETSU, East Tennessee State University. And the losses are to Florida International, FIU, and a number 10, Pitt. But here's the thing. All five of their matches, whether win or loss, have been by one goal. All of them, either two to one uh, or one to another. Like, it's just very close scores all right in there. And so love to see what the guys are doing. They're going to continue to hopefully be on the winning side of a lot of those. Uh, we'd love to see a little bit more goal, goal differential separation there. But uh, we're going to wait and see. Now, they have a match today at Duke. Love to see that. The Blue Devils are ranked fifth in the nation, so the Tar Heels uh, have some trouble on their hands going on the road, but we believe in them. Let's go next to the cross-country teams. Both men and women's cross-country, I'm going to talk about them together since they usually compete together, began the season ranked nationally. The men began ranked 16th. Currently down to 17th through really no fault of their own, just other teams jumping up, but they've started off well. The women began the season ranked 14th and have jumped up one to 13th. So love to see both those teams and the teens right there. So far, they've only had one meet this season, The Charlotte opener, UNC was joined by three other teams, Charlotte, University of Georgia, and William and Mary. Both teams took first place quite comfortably in that meet, um, placing on both the men and the women six of the top seven finishers. And so you love to see that. Uh, Coming up today, this weekend... They are at the Coaching Tree Invitational, both the men and women at Indiana in Bloomington, Indiana there. Um, There are 12 teams competing on the women's side, 10 for the men, including uh, some top teams in the nation there. So keep your eyes on what the cross-country team does this weekend. And then we round out our Tar Heel Tour by stopping at the women's volleyball team. They are 5-3 and overall, no ACC matches yet. Their five wins are over UC Santa Barbara, South Carolina, Arizona, Charlotte, and the Michigan State Spartans. Those three losses, to Colorado State, Northern Colorado, and the Michigan Wolverines. Their next match is today versus Old Dominion in the VCU Invitational. So just taking on some Virginia crews this weekend. Love to see that. Good luck to all of these teams around campus as they are participating in their fall activities and athletics and obviously we'll get back to talking a good deal about football next week as North Carolina prepares to host the Notre Dame Fighting Irish who will be without their quarterback. Well, friends, that is it for today's episode. And that is it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining in. Uh, Man, it's just we're continuing to see numbers rise and climb both on YouTube and on audio. So thank you so much for tuning in. It means so much that we just get to hang out and talk North Carolina sports together. It's so fun. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of the ACC take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Hey, listen, folks, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you find something to fill those three hours that you would otherwise be watching the Tar Heel football team, and we'll get right back to it next week. But as for today, I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week. Peace.